Chapter 15 of Book of the Foundations. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulay. Book of the Foundations by St. Teresa of Avila. Translated by the Reverend John Dalton. Chapter 15. I think it proper to relate here some things which the nuns did in the service of our Lord, in order that those who come after them may ever endeavor to imitate such good beginnings. Before the house was purchased, there entered into it a nun called Ana de la Madre de Dios. She was about forty years old, and her whole life had been spent in the service of His Divine Majesty, and though no pleasures were wanting to her in her state and in her own house, because she was single and very rich, yet she chose to prefer the poverty and obedience of a religious order, and so she came to speak to me on the subject. She was very sickly, but when I saw a soul so well disposed and determined, it seemed to me a good beginning for the foundation, and accordingly I admitted her. God was pleased to give her much better health in her austerity and subjection than ever she had in the midst of her liberty and pleasures. But that which gave me edification was, and on this account I mention it here, that before she made her profession, she gave all her property, for she was very rich, to the monastery in the way of alms. This I did not like and would not consent to, telling her that perhaps she might repent of the step, or that we might not allow her to make her profession, which if we did, what would she do? The thing would appear very hard to her, though if it should take place, we would not dismiss her without restoring what she gave us. But I was anxious to aggravate the case the more to her, for two reasons. First, in order that it might not afterwards become a source of temptation to her. Secondly, in order the more to try her disposition. She answered me, that were this to happen, she would lose all things for the love of God, etc. I could not prevail over her in anything else. All her life she lived very happy and in much better health. Mortification and obedience were practiced in this monastery to such a degree, that during the time I lived in it, I observed that oftentimes the prioress was obliged to be careful of what she said. For whatever she told them, though it were said without any intention of exacting obedience, they immediately did it. I was once gazing on a pond of water which stood in the garden, and happened to say to one near it, What would you say, if I should bid this sister throw herself into the water? No sooner had I spoken than the sister was in. So wet did she get, that she was obliged to change her habit. At another time, I being present, the nuns were going to confession, and while they were waiting for one another, one came to speak with the prioress, who asked her, why she did so, and if that was a proper way to recollect herself, that she had better put her head in the well which was close by, and there think of her sins. The sister thought the prioress really meant she should do so, and accordingly she made such haste to throw herself into the well, that if they had not stopped her immediately, she would have thrown herself in, thinking she would do thereby the greatest service to God, or perform an act of great mortification. Hence it was necessary for some prudent persons to explain to them what those duties were which they were required to obey, and to restrain them, 
because they did some things so foolish, that if their intentions had not excused them, they would have deserved blame rather than merit. And not only in the monastery do such things happen, of which an opportunity is presented here to relate some, but in all of them there are so many things of the like nature, that I wish I were not a party concerned, in order that I might mention some of them, to the end our Lord might be praised in these his servants. It happened once, while I was here, that a sister fell dangerously ill, who, after receiving the most holy sacrament, and afterwards extreme unction, was so cheerful and happy that she seemed already in heaven, and that we could entreat her to recommend us in heaven to God, and to those saints to whom we had a particular devotion. Having been before the most blessed sacrament, to ask our Lord to grant her a happy death, a little before she expired, I entered her chamber to stay with her, and on my entrance I saw our Lord about the middle of the bed's head, with his arms a little open, as if he were protecting her, and he said to me, Be assured that all the nuns who shall die in these monasteries I will protect in like manner, and that they should not dread any temptations at the hour of death. By these words I was greatly comforted and recollected. A short time after, I went to speak to her, when she said to me, O oh, mother, what great things I am about to behold! And saying these words, she expired like an angel. I observed that several who died afterwards displayed a certain repose and peace, as if they had been in a rapture, or in the prayer of quiet, without showing any sign of being tempted. And thus I hope in the goodness of God, that he will grant us this favor, through the merits of his Son, and that of his glorious mother, whose habit we wear. Wherefore, my daughters, let us endeavor to be true Carmelite nuns, for our journey will soon be at an end. And if we knew the afflictions many endure at the hour of their death, and the snares and delusions with which the devil tempts them, we should highly esteem this favor. The circumstances which come to my mind I will now relate of a person who was related to me. He was a great gambler, and had a little learning, by which the devil began to deceive him, by inducing him to believe that the amendment of his life, at the hour of death, availed nothing. And so convinced was he of this, that his friends could by no means persuade him to make his confession. All endeavors were fruitless. And yet the poor man was extremely afflicted and sorry for the bad life he had led. But, why, he said, should I confess, since I am already condemned? A Dominican father, who was his confessor and a very learned man, did nothing but argue with him. But the devil taught him so many subtleties, that the father could do nothing. Thus he continued some days, and his confessor knew not what to do, except to recommend him to our Lord, which he and others did, and our Savior took compassion on him. His malady increasing more, which was a pain in his side, his confessor returned again, with more powerful arguments, to convince him. But he would not have succeeded, had not our Lord taken compassion on him, by softening his heart. As soon as the good father began to speak and advance some more reasons, he sat up on his bed, as if he were not ill, and said, Since you tell me that my confession may profit me, I desire then to make it. He then called a notary in, and took a very solemn oath never to gamble any more, to amend his life, which promises he made in the presence of witnesses. 
he also made a very good confession and received the sacraments with such devotions that as far as we can judge he was saved may our lord grant my sisters that we may lead lives worthy of true daughters of our lady and so observe the rules of our profession that our lord may bestow the favor he hath promised us amen End of chapter 15